Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. So the Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 4 and verses 8 to 11. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. So we're continuing our series through the book of Galatians entitled Freedom in Jesus. And today we're looking at Galatians chapter 4 and verses 8 to 11, where Paul talks about being enslaved to non-gods. Uh, we read in verse 8, he says, Formerly, when you did not know God, so before the Galatians had become followers of Jesus, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Okay, so what does Paul mean by that? Well, he's referring to the old pagan worship. You see, before the Galatians had put their faith in Jesus, they used to worship idols. They used to worship other gods, the, the, the Greek gods like Zeus and Hermes and Aphrodite. Aphrodite. Uh, and these weren't actually gods. They were treated as if they were gods, but they weren't. They thought they were gods. They thought they were real, but they weren't. They were non-gods. But there was a spiritual reality, a spiritual power behind uh, these, the, this pagan worship. And, and Paul refers to these non-gods as those weak and miserable forces. He, he's referring to, to spiritual powers, evil spiritual powers and forces that were associated and were behind this, this pagan worship. And Paul says that they used to be enslaved to these non-gods. But how were they enslaved to these non-gods? Well, they used to believe that behind every element, every basic element in creation, there was a deity, there was a god, there was a spiritual force. Behind water, behind land, behind fire, behind the sun, behind moon, behind stars... Behind agriculture, behind everything, there was a, a, a deity, there was a spiritual force, and you needed to appease that spiritual force in order to get what you wanted. So, for example, if you were a farmer and you needed rain, you had to appease the God who controlled the rain in order to make it rain. If you were going to go on a trip, a journey by sea, you would have to appease the God who controlled the sea in order to ensure that you would have a safe journey. If you wanted to get pregnant, you had to appease the fertility God. If, if you wanted some girl to fall in love with you, you had to go to Aphrodite's, you had to make all these sacrifices, you had to perform all these rituals in order to get the girl to fall in love with you. And they used to uh, believe that there was this cosmic power that was revealed in the stars that actually controlled human destiny, your fate. And so they lived in constant fear of these cosmic powers that were ruling and determining their, their fate and their destiny. And so they were continually, continually looking for good omens, 
Continue trying to find out which days are lucky days, which, which days are the good days to do business, to travel, to get married. They will continue trying to find which seasons were favored by the gods in order to ensure things would go okay with them, that things would go well. And so they were continually living in fear of all these various gods and they were continually making these sacrifices and performing all these rituals in order to appease these gods, in order to ensure that they could have a happy and a fulfilled life. But here's the problem. These aren't real gods. So they can't deliver. They can't ensure you get a bumper crop. They can't make it rain. They can't get you pregnant. They can't make the girl fall in love with you. And so you end up being enslaved to these gods, trying your best to to appease them, hoping that through that you're going to find happiness and satisfaction, but you never will because they can't deliver. And so even though there is a spiritual power and a reality behind this pagan worship, Paul refers to them as weak and miserable forces. They're weak because they're powerless. They're miserable because they're bankrupt. They simply don't have the resource to deliver on their promises. That is the problem with idols. Idols over-promise and under-deliver. They would promise them, them satisfaction and life and all these other things, but they simply couldn't deliver because they weren't real gods. And so you end up being enslaved. Okay, now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, that's really interesting, Mike, but what has that got to do with us? I mean, none of us worship pagan idols, so none of us are enslaved to these non-gods. Are you sure about that? See, the question really is, what exactly is a non-God? What exactly is an idol? An idol is anything that you treat as God, but is not God. If you're not worshipping God, if God is not the center of your life, then something else will fill that place and that something else will become your idol. And because it's a non-God, you'll be enslaved to it. Okay, let me explain. So... Your idol could be anything. It could be being wealthy, having a lot of money. It could be uh, you're having a, a position of status. Uh, it could be being successful. It could be very popular. It could, it could be anything. Let's take an example if it's, say, it's money. Say your, your idol is money you, and, and therefore you covet money all the time. You're always desiring money. You believe that if you just have a little more money, then you will be truly satisfied. But soon as you get a little bit more money, you're still not satisfied and you still believe that you just need a little bit more money. And so you end up being enslaved to your idol, which is money, hoping and trusting that if you just get a little bit more, then finally you'll be happy, but it will never be able to deliver because it's not a real God and therefore you're always just enslaved to it. Idols overpromise and underdeliver. They promise you security, status, and satisfaction, but they can't deliver. And so you're always left just wanting a bit more and a bit more and a bit more, but there will always be something missing. Now, idols in and of themselves aren't bad. There is nothing wrong with money. 
It's the love of money that's the problem. It's when you start loving money more than you love Jesus that it becomes an idol. The problem is not that we have a normal desire for something bad. The problem is that we have an over-desire for something good. All idols start off as a good thing, but then they become a God thing. There's nothing wrong with sex, money, and power. They're good things. But when they take the place of God in your life, when they become center in your life, that's when they become your idol. That's when you become a slave to them. That's when you become addicted to them. And you're always going to be left wanting more and more, but there will always be something missing. So often people have come up to me and they will effectively say, you know, if I could just get this promotion, then I'll be truly satisfied. If I could just get married, then I'll be satisfied. If I could just have a baby, then I'll be satisfied. But as soon as they achieve their goal, they're still not satisfied because an idol can never deliver. There will always be something missing. And so you'll be enslaved. So unless Jesus is the center of your life, you are enslaved to non-God. Paul reminds the Galatians how that before they were followers of Jesus, how they used to be enslaved to these non-gods. Then, in verse 9, he says something that is just shocking. It's absolutely outstanding. I mean, it's just astonishing. He says in verse 9, But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back? To those weak and miserable forces. Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Do you realize how shocking that is? Okay. They now know Jesus. And so he said to them, now that you know Jesus, how can you possibly turn back to be enslaved again by these spiritual forces of evil that are associated with pagan worship? Do you see how shocking that is? You probably don't. Let me explain. (laughs) What were they turning back to? How were they turning back? Were they turning their backs on Jesus and going back to pagan worship? No. What were they doing? How were they turning? Do you remember the troublemakers? Don't forget about the troublemakers. There were these troublemakers... Jewish followers of Jesus from Jerusalem who had come from Jerusalem all the way to Galatia and had told the Galatians, if you truly want to be accepted by God, faith in Jesus is not enough. You also got to become Jewish. And the way you do that is by obeying all the laws of Moses. The Ten Commandments and so on. All the commandments in the Bible. Especially the works of the law, the food laws, you know, the kosher food, so no more bacon and pork chops. All the males had to be circumcised. Ouch. And the sacred calendar. You had to, you had to obey all the Jewish religious days, the Sabbath and the Passover and everything else. That's what Paul talks about in verse 10 when he says you are observing special days and months and seasons and years. They started observing the Jewish Sabbath and the Jewish festivals like the Passover and Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles. 
So, what were they turning to? They were turning to the laws of Moses. They were turning to the Bible. And Paul is saying, that's exactly the same as turning back to pagan idol worship. Paul is saying, if you start following the laws of Moses, you're going to be enslaved to the same evil spiritual powers that are associated with pagan worship. Do you now see why that's so shocking? You see, before they became followers of Jesus, they were extremely immoral. I mean, they they used to worship pagan idols. And and their worship services used to include having multiple sexual relationships with various temple prostitutes. I mean, they were extremely immoral. But now they're turning to the laws of Moses. They're turning to the Bible. They're trying to be incredibly biblical. They're trying to be absolutely morally good by doing and believing everything in the Bible. And Paul says, you're right back where you started. You know better than worshipping pagan idols. Wow, that's, that's shocking. How, how could Paul say that? How could he say that following the laws of Moses will lead to you being enslaved to evil spiritual powers? Is he saying that the law of Moses is evil? Of course not. He's already told us in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19 that the law was given to Moses by God. So the law is good. It's perfect. It has perfect purposes and intentions. The problem comes when you start using the Bible for something other than it was intended. You see, the Bible's purpose is to point people to Jesus. Now the Galatians have already found Jesus. They are now turning back to the Bible, believing that Jesus isn't enough. That they need the Bible in and of itself. And by doing that, they're effectively making the Bible a God. They're effectively worshipping the Bible rather than the God of the Bible. The Bible has become their idol, their God. They were putting their faith and their trust in the Bible rather than in Jesus. Or in fact, what they were really doing was putting their faith and their trust in themselves and in their own good works. They were saying, if I can just obey every single command in the Bible, if I could do all of this, then I will earn God's favor. If if I do all of this, I can earn my salvation. They're putting their trust in themselves. Now, when you do that, you're effectively making the Bible your idol, and you will become enslaved to the Bible. You see... When you try to obey every single command of the Bible, hoping that through that you're going to find favor with God, the problem is you can't. You will fail. You won't be able to do it because nobody's perfect. And therefore, you will keep on failing and then keep on trying and keep on failing. And therefore, you will become enslaved to the Bible, enslaved to keep on trying and keep on failing And ultimately, you'll become enslaved to guilt and condemnation. You'll become enslaved to the same spiritual powers that are associated with pagan worship.
One of the signs, symptoms that you can see if you are worshipping the Bible rather than the God of the Bible, Paul says, you are observing special days, months and seasons and years. He's referring to the Jewish Sabbath, which they started observing, and, and all the Jewish festivals, the religious festivals, Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Tabernacles, and so on. Now I know some of you are thinking, are you going to be saying that we shouldn't be celebrating Easter and Christmas? Because if you take Christmas from me, I'm out of here. <laughs> now of course not. Of course it's okay to celebrate Easter and Christmas. Paul even says in Romans chapter 14, that's, each individual can decide for themselves if they want to observe these festivals or not. The problem is when you start insisting on observing these festivals. The problem is when you believe that you have to observe these festivals in order to receive God's favor. If you don't, then God's going to be angry with you. And if you start insisting that other people need to observe these festivals... It's a good sign that you're enslaved to the Bible or enslaved to your own religiosity, your own religious rules. Now, the problem of being enslaved to the Bible is that it's not very obvious. It's not very obvious. You know, see, if, if the Galatians had turned their back on Jesus and had gone back to pagan worship, that would be very obvious. I mean, that's very obvious. But... Worshipping the Bible is very, very subtle. It's not obvious at all. It's very subtle because it still looks like you're worshipping Jesus. You, you, you're committed to reading the Bible. You're committed to coming to church. You, you, you're committed to obeying everything the Bible says. You, you're very religious. So it still looks like you're worshipping Jesus. It's very subtle. How do we know if we worship in Jesus or we worship in the Bible? Well, often there's a lack of joy in your life. There's a lack of intimacy with God. There's a lack of freedom. Everything seems to be a burden and a duty. And you start to become very judgmental of other people. Have you ever felt like that? That's probably a sign that you're starting to be enslaved to the Bible. Or you're starting to be enslaved to your own religious rules. So what's the solution? How can we be free? Paul writes in verse 9, But now that you know God, or rather are known by God. The way we experience freedom, true freedom, is by knowing God, or rather being known by God. You notice how Paul corrects himself and says, Or rather are known by God. Paul wants to highlight, make it very clear, that God takes the initiative and we merely respond. The only way we can have a relationship with God is because God took the initiative. God came to us in the person of Jesus and died for us so that we can have a relationship with Him, that we can be forgiven and have a relationship with Him. Therefore, there's absolutely nothing 
we need to do nor can do to earn the right to have a relationship with God. Because God's already done it all. We just need to put our faith in Jesus and receive that. And to, to know God or to be known by God doesn't mean that God suddenly knows things about you as if He didn't know before. As if He didn't already know everything about you. No, it implies that we have a an intimate and personal relationship with God. Like a father-child relationship. And it's within that relationship that we discover forgiveness and freedom and life and joy. And it's within that relationship that we discover our true identity and self-worth. That we discover that, that, that God loves us. And that there is absolutely nothing we need to do nor can do to earn that love. Because God loves us because He loves us because He loves us. And when we realize that, it sets us free from all other types of idols. The big question is, who are you worshipping? You see, we've got a choice. We either experience freedom by worshipping God, or we are enslaved to non-gods. It's as clear. You're either worshipping God, or you're worshipping idols. Now, some of you might say, well, I'm completely free. I'm not worshipping anything. I don't worship anything. I'm completely free. But if you're not worshipping God, then something else will fill that place that God should be filling in your life. And that will become your idol and you will be enslaved to it whether you know it or not. The big issue is not about do we break some moral law. The big issue is who are you worshipping? Who are you worshipping? Are you worshipping an idol? Are you worshipping non-gods? Because that will lead to bad behaviour. Take note on the Ten Commandments. The first two commandments are all about idolatry. If you were to go to God and to say, God, can you tell me, can you tell me how I should live my life? Can you tell me the secret to living? The first thing God would talk to you about is idolatry. Who are you worshipping? Because if you ever break commandments three to ten, it's because you've broken commandment one and two already. All about who are you worshiping? Before I became a Christian, uh, the, the center of my life was probably surfing. That was my whole life. Uh, I, I was competing in various ski surfing competitions. Uh, that was the center of my life. That's where everything I was doing. And that's where I found my identity, my status, and my fulfillment. And therefore, it became my idol, my God, and I was enslaved to it. I, I needed to be surfing, I needed to be the best, I needed to be winning, because that's where I found my identity, my self-worth, and my fulfillment. And so I was enslaved to it. And if I, if I ever lost, I was completely devastated. Devastated, because that was my God. When I became a Christian, when I became a follower of Jesus... Suddenly, I no longer found my true worth and self-worth and identity in surfing, but in my relationship with Jesus. 
And of course, it had a profound effect on the way I served. It, it, it set me free from the need to have to serve, to have to be the best, to have to win. I, I was no longer devastated if I lost. Okay, don't get me wrong, I still like winning. But I was no longer devastated because my self-worth and my identity wasn't caught up in being the best and winning. My self-worth and my identity was found in the fact that God loved me and accepted me as a child. And it just freed me. It freed me to enjoy surfing even more. My main goal in surfing now would be to, to please Jesus and to feel His pleasure in me enjoying His creation and His gifts. It was freeing. It was liberating. And it's only when we have that intimate, personal relationship with Jesus, it's only when we can say that I know God and I'm known by God, that we'll experience freedom. True freedom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've loved us so much. That you came and you died for us. And it wasn't dependent on how sorted we are, how good we were, or on anything else we did. But it was purely dependent on the fact that you love us. It wasn't because we were good, but because you were good. And Father, we confess that we, it's so easy for us to slip back into finding our self-worth and our value in other things. To put other things center in our life. To go back to our old ways or, or even to turn to a religious way and start becoming very religious and, and, and without even knowing the Bible and religious rules can become our God. It becomes all about that and we become enslaved to that rather than just experience that freedom and that joy that comes from a relationship with you. Father, won't you help us to find all our self-worth and value in you, in our relationship with you. And help us to, to see that subtle, that very subtle Worshipping of the Bible over worshipping of you. Father, it's so subtle and, and, and so easy for us to slip back into that. Father, please free us from that so that we can move forward in our relationship with you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.